If you're a struggling jiu-jitsu student that is really looking for some more help and guidance and trying to figure out what you should be training and the next steps in your jiu-jitsu journey, I have an online program called the Jiu-Jitsu Blueprint for Lifelong Development because ultimately jiu-jitsu is a lifelong process you have interest in or want more information on. Make sure you hit me up at jasonhill.com. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. What is going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill, in case some of you guys don't know. So thank you guys for checking out another episode. I know we've kind of had a little break here. You know, with summer, everything kind of gets a little crazy in everyone's time schedule. You know, you kind of have to uh, take some time off or you get other projects that come up, schedules change. So, you know, just like everybody, I've got other responsibilities besides just giving you guys awesome jiu-jitsu content. So anyway, we'll get back on to regular schedule here. So I figured, though... A really good episode to, to start off with is talking a little bit about jiu-jitsu injuries and um, how to come back from them and maybe some ideas that you guys can use if you start training with injuries because there's a good chance that most of you are going to probably obtain or sustain an injury at some point in your jiu-jitsu career. It's just part of the game. It's just part of what happens. And one reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up and it's fresh on my mind is because on my uh, coaching program, we have a, a call that happens every week. And so, you know, I, I take in requests from students. We break down the training footage or I'll answer general questions. And, and one of my students is um, coming back from a, a knee surgery. And um, this is extremely common. An, a knee issue is going to be an issue that you're going to probably have at some point in your jiu-jitsu career. I know I've dealt with knee issues before in the past myself, um, I've coached a lot of students through coming back from knee issues. And so he had to have a surgery on his knee. And so he has been now cleared to start coming back to training. And his general question was, you know, what, what should he be doing? What risks should he be taking? You know, what's a good progression or timeline and, and kind of just all that stuff to get back into, into training, especially, you know, coming off of a serious injury like a knee. And like I said, a lot of you guys, even if you don't have surgeries on your knees, um, because we're on our knees a lot in jujitsu and it's kind of a, a joint that gets heavily used, whether you're training jujitsu or you're working out or just life in general, there's a good chance that that knees are going to become a problem at some point. So this is going to be specifically kind of dealing with like knee issues or knee injuries and, and things of that nature, right? So we'll kind of jump into it. So the first part is because he's coming back from a surgery, I'm going to start to give this advice kind of in four phases. If you want to think about it that way, um, they're kind of four progression phases from him, you know, just coming out of post-surgery and then coming into now being able to train jujitsu. So you guys can kind of take this advice at whatever phase that you're at, but just know kind of the phase one is someone who's literally coming back from surgery, someone who is um, about to step on the mat for the first time and, and they've been cleared by their doctors and, and all that stuff, right? So I'm going to start off with that. First, I am not a doctor. This is not medical advice. I want to be totally clear about that. So someone blows out their knee based upon my advice and they say, well, Chase said that, you know, I could get back to the mat at this point. Just to be clear, not a medical doctor. So make sure you guys go and um and get cleared out by doctors and stuff like that however with that being said though i have coached a lot of students coming back from knee injuries in the sense of jujitsu setting right so that's what this advice is going to be stemmed from when i cover all my bases there so phase one student is coming back you know he's been cleared by his doctor he's been cleared and he's been doing some pt 
And, uh, you know, the, the knee is now stable enough or recovered enough to where doctor says he can return back to the mat. So even though when the doctor says return back to the mat, in my experience, unless he's working with a specific PT who understands what jujitsu is or knows about jujitsu, they will just say, okay, you are cleared, but they don't really understand what all the components are in jujitsu. So with that being said, they just say, oh yeah, you're clear, go back to light activity and da, 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 da. And so, well, what is that and what do I need to be cautious of? So once again, this is dealing with the knee. So the first thing you guys have to understand is your knee is what is called a hinge joint. Basically, your knee bends like a door hinge that is on a door, right? And so it will bend, um, you know, all the way you could, you know, when you're sitting in the clothes guard, for example, when you're sitting inside someone's clothes guard, your knee is in full what's called flexion. Um, it's fully bent. And so your butt is touching your heel and that's as much bend as your knee goes. Hopefully, if you go past that point, that's not good. Some of you 10th planet guys can probably do some weird stuff like that. But um, that would be into full knee flexion. Basically, when the knee is bent all the way and then full knee extension is where your leg is straight, right? Where your knee is straight. So when I use those terms, that's what I'm going to be talking about. So um, bent knee or straight knee is, I guess, what I'm going to refer that to. So the thing is, is that if you're coming from a knee injury or a knee surgery, the hardest part about recovering is going to be the knee bend or the knee flexion. So coming back and avoiding extreme knee flexion is going to be the key to making sure that you don't progress too fast. And so a lot of people kind of misunderstand that because they're like, well, if I'm just sitting inside someone's clothes guard and I'm not putting in a lot of effort, then, you know, then that's not, um, that's in the realm of what I can do. The doctor said, just take it light. And it's like, well, yeah, but you got to be careful because you don't want to, after you just had this knee cut on and major trauma done to it. We don't want to start just shoving it all the way as far back as the joint can go right away. Right. So avoiding close guard or sitting in close guard is going to be one of these kind of themes that's going to continue through all these phases because that's where it's going to put the most uh, stress on your knee. If you guys think about it, if you're sitting all the way um, with your butt onto your heels, not only do you have the, your own body weight, but then now you wrap someone's legs around you then, oh my goodness, now you have extra weight on top of your hips. That's really shoving your knee into extreme flexion. And then you have to try to get up and you have to try to defend and you have to sit up to your knees and all of that stuff. And then, you know, it's just more stress on your knee that has to overcome. So just be careful. I would say sitting in closed guard is one of the worst positions that you can do when you come back from a knee injury. In my experience, it's usually the place where students feel the least comfortable and they kind of have the least, um, they're, they're kind of afraid the most to kind of test it. So the best place to start is the complete opposite. We want to start in the bottom position. So usually I advise students in phase one to think about being in the bottom of the mount, bottom of side control, um, maybe having people on your back and you be very defensive minded. Basically, you want to be able to position yourself to where you can flatten out your legs and straighten your legs to where there is a little bend as possible on your knees. And I know that's very counterintuitive because normally we would not lay like that because you would need your feet kind of pulled up to your butt. That way you could start to shrimp escape or you could start to, you know, turn to your knees from underhook escapes. But when we're trying to take it easy and recover back and we don't want to stress too much, I usually start with students um, where they start on their back and I just teach them how to be defensive minded, how to survive and focusing on basically putting themselves up 
in positions, like getting their hands to inside frames, for example, or getting the underhook, but just not taking the escape. So you can do a lot of training this way. It's a, it's good mental training and it's good training that you don't really focus on because you're trying to escape too fast or you're trying to get out or you're trying to avoid these bad positions. This will force you to have to train to these positions, right? So phase one is very conservative and laying on your back, starting in the bottom of the mount, starting in the bottom of side control and really defending with what I call like a safe hands or controlled hands and not letting people grab your head, not letting your arms get isolated for kimoras or arm locks or things of that nature, right? So really just taking it slow and, and defending that way. Now, some people don't like doing this because they think that it's a disservice to their training partner. But in my experience, if a student comes in and they're, you know, injured from a knee injury, I don't expect my training partner to be able to go full 100%. So it makes sense when they're training, rolling easy and being conservative and stuff. And normally I don't have a problem with it at all. It gives me a chance to work different stuff and it gives them a chance to work different stuff. So don't worry about um, if you're going to be a burden to your training partners. I don't really think anyone um, would be. And then if you do get told you're a burden, please look for a different school. I don't I don't know what else to tell you guys in that way. Um, so you're not a burden. You're able to still get stuff accomplished. Um, the burden is if you whine and complain about it and you are just kind of not wanting to do the realistic things. And so you're just kind of making everyone do the stuff you want to do. But if you let people do all of their stuff and you're just trying to fit into that and then then you're good to go right so anyway that's phase one so phase two if you guys are really enjoying this podcast i'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews maybe some five stars whether you're listening to this on audible spotify apple podcast make sure you guys leave this five stars leave some nice words also share it with a friend you know i don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community so thank you guys for supporting and i'll see you guys later after that starts to feel better and for timeline purposes, it's kind of hard to say, um, oh, well, you should stay in phase one for one week or phase one for two weeks or three weeks because it really depends on when you kind of started out, um, when you came back, how long it's been post-surgery or how long it's been since you've had a knee issue and then how it's feeling. So I would say if you get confident in phase one and it feels pretty good and you're able to kind of control it, then we, you can move on to phase two. And so phase two is now starting in that bottom position, but potentially working um, actual escapes now. So you're still working the bottom amount. You're still working the bottom of side control, maybe some back mount, but now you're starting to actually escape because now you can start bending your knees and maybe pushing off the ground and generating force on that joint that you were trying to avoid before by just laying flat with your legs flat. And so you can start to now implement these ideas. Um, some positions I would be pretty worried, worry about from the bottom is things like butterfly guard, because that's going to bend your knee all the way to your butt. Now it's not as bad as inside someone's clothes guard, but it's still kind of bend your knee. Um, be careful with actually clothes guard because clothes guard, it can put excess stress on your knee, kind of, um, of rotating your knees inside, or I'm sorry, rotating your knees kind of outward. And that can put excess stress on your knee as well too. So you kind of have to be careful of any ways that can bend your knees in kind of weird directions in the beginning. Um, usually half guard's not as bad because you're able to kind of control 
the amount of bend in it, but just be careful of like butterfly and close guard. So if you're going to escape to any of those positions, just be wary about that. If you're going to do close guard, um, here's a little hack. It's not as good, but you can use your legs as like salad tongs and you can just kind of pinch your legs around somebody and not cross your ankles. The stress on the knee comes from when you cross your ankles because you're keeping your ankles so crossed. That's what rotates and gives a little kind of inward or outward twist on your knee joint. So you can just pinch your legs together. And yeah, is it as good as closed guard? No, but it's what you can do. So you have to manage your expectations with this, right? So you could come back, you're starting to work defenses now. So you got pretty good at surviving and, and defending and, and not getting tapped and, and limiting that. Now you're looking for your opportunities to potentially start to escape and maybe going to half guard, maybe a little bit of like salad tongs, closed guard there. So I'm going to start calling it from now on. And then you can also potentially start working some bottom attacks um, without your legs. So you could start working things with like Kimuras, maybe guillotines. Um, if you're training in the gi, you could definitely work uh, uh, chokes. You know, you could work, you know, cross chokes and looping chokes and things of that nature. So stuff that you can do on your back um, with your arms is 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 good to go. Um, still avoid things like triangle chokes. Still avoid things like maybe omoplatas or even arm locks right now because those are very... Uh, leg dominant you need you need your legs in order to finish um, the choke or, or or finish the the submission right so after that gets pretty good and feeling comfortable maybe you've done that for a week or two like I said there's it's hard to put a timeline on it but you know that's a good way to measure it try it for a week see what happens next thing is phase three so now that you've kind of uh, conservatively gone with phase one phase two those are kind of what I call the testing phases you're you're testing the waters, you're seeing how well your knee feels after a training session, you're seeing how well it feels during and you're doing these very conservative positions. So that way it doesn't put you back. Last thing you want to do is go from zero to 100 really quickly. And then you it takes you a lot longer to move into these later phases, right? So it's slow and steady wins the race, right? So phase three, now that you've done that, and you feel pretty confident, you can start practicing more top positions, things of like, the side control, maybe being on top of the mount. Um, you can maybe even start doing the top mount position. I would still maybe avoid um, close guard for now. Maybe avoid knee on belly on the side of your hurt knee because that does require quite extreme knee bend. Um, and you could potentially start working some guard passes. The reason why I say are open guard passes. And and that's a maybe. Um, that may be better for phase four because... When you're doing open guard passes, especially if you're doing things like a knee cut pass, for example, or a Toriando pass, and you kind of have to squat down, depending on which leg you're squatting on, that may that knee may cause that problem. And, and now we're adding extra uh, torque and pressure onto your knee. So you just got to be careful about, you know, these big lateral dynamic movements where you're going from side to side and and you're moving quickly and you're jumping from one side to the other. Just be very careful about that. Um, you could test that in phase three very lightly and see how that feels. But now because you're working top positions, you obviously have a little bit more um, access to working things like attacks and, and offense and things of that nature. And then when it comes to guard passing, you're able to now start working um, some mild guard passing, maybe not quick guard passes, but slow and steady, you know, knee cuts, double unders, step overs, things of that nature that that works out pretty well. Now, after that starts to happen, we can move into phase four. 
And so now your knee should be probably feeling pretty good. You should have built up some confidence. We've done phases one through three. And so this hopefully is increasing your confidence. So this is one reason to approach your recovery like this is because now you're able to build confidence in yourself and in your knee. And hopefully you're still doing all the other stuff. You're still doing PT work and you're still um, still working on it in that way too. You know, you're icing after class, making sure all those things are done as well too, to make sure that you're fully maximizing um, all the potential that you could have and, and to increase your recovery time, right? So now your knee's feeling pretty good. You could start maybe moving on to the open guard. Maybe we're playing more guard retention, maybe some butterfly guard, um, and you can maybe start drilling things like triangle chokes and potentially arm locks and just see how they feel. Um, you don't want to push it obviously, right? So you might have the arm lock might feel okay, but the triangle might feel terrible. So you might still be slowly moving into these things, but now you can start having more, um, openness into your game. You can pretty much start coming back and start getting after it, um, at phase four. So phase four is where you can start actually now what I would call, um, testing the limits of your knee in the sense of like actually putting direct strain on what we know is going to cause problems. You might even be able to start to play inside of closed guard now, but I've honestly tell you guys that I've got students who have had knee issues. Um, they've had knee surgeries and just depending on the severity of the surgery and what they had done, just them sitting in closed guard never f has never felt great for them. Um, it's just, it's, it's not fun for them to be in. So that just might be something you might just have to get really good at escaping from closed guard quickly and getting out of it. Right. So, um, it, there's, there's no foolproof plan, but this is a way that you can kind of come back in and not hopefully regress in your, uh, recovery too much. And you can start actually getting value out of training on the mat while coming back. So don't think that you have to be 100%. Your knee doesn't need to be 100% to come in. And if you guys have sustained a knee injury and it's not severe, like you're needing surgery, but maybe you've severely sprained it, maybe it's been hyperextended or, or you've just had issues. These are all little ways that you guys can even kind of ease back into it. Um, one of the biggest things that I know sets students back when they come back from injury is just progressing too quickly. And I, I say this all the time, like, why are you in a hurry? Usually what I get getting students is that they're worried that they're going to fall behind. It, it's, it's all internal. They're worried that someone in their class, like another training partner is going to pass them. Um, they don't want to feel like that they're a burden. Like if they're, if they're behind for some reason, they're a burden, but you guys got to understand there's like new white belts coming into the gym all the time. There's new people getting their blue belts. There, there's always going to be someone who is always behind you. So don't think that you need to keep up for some reason because that's not necessarily needed. Right. So being able to progress in and doing it slowly is a much better uh, treatment plan for you in the long run with that. So hopefully this kind of helped you guys out. Like I said, this was very specific coming back from a knee injury. Um, if you guys have any other specific injuries, um, please, please let me know. Maybe I can try to give you some advice on what I've seen students have. But that kind of four phases is exactly what I've done with students. I've done that with several students. That's the plan that I've, I've implemented for them and ideas I've set, and it seems to have worked really well. And now I've had students be back training after, you know, two, three years after starting that, that kind of phase. And it's just about being conservative, building up strength, building up confidence, doing everything you need to do and just, uh, yeah, being safe. Obviously I, sh this shouldn't have to be said, um, you know, avoid getting leg locked, avoid getting, you know, weird leg positions. If you can, you know, talk to your partner, 
about, hey, you know, please don't leg lock me on that leg or, or please don't put me in the truck on that leg and extend my knee and, and cause all those problems, right? So communication is absolutely key to your long-term success. And uh, yeah. So anyway, with that, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode and I will uh, see you in the next one. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. So thank you guys again, and I'll see you guys later.